Welcome to Addiction in Simple Terms. My name is Dr. Julian Keats. I'm a specialist in addiction medicine with over 10 years experience assessing and treating drug and alcohol related problems. And in this podcast, I explain some of the important ideas in addiction to help you make sense of your experiences and hopefully make some changes for the better in your life. This is episode seven. In episodes one through five, I looked at how addiction works in the brain and discussed the progression of drug use from experimentation to regular use through to the cycle of addiction. In episode six, I considered the harmful consequences of drug use for individuals, families and communities, and I gave an overview of how society responds to drug-related problems. I also gave a brief introduction to the various treatment approaches for dependence and addiction. In this episode, I'm going to talk in more depth about detoxification and withdrawal management. As usual, when I use the term drugs or drug use, I'm referring to all drugs of addiction, whether they be illegal drugs, prescription medications and pharmaceuticals, or the legally available drugs alcohol and nicotine or tobacco. Let's make a start. What do I mean by detoxification? Well, detoxification is the process that the body goes through during the initial period of not using a drug when someone who's been using regularly stops for whatever reason, maybe by choice because they're trying to cease using, maybe because their supply of drugs has dried up, or maybe because they can't access their usual supply, such as when they get locked up in prison. But detoxification is more than just stopping and not using a drug or having a rest. Detoxification implies that there are various adaptations to the recent ongoing drug use that are now reversing or readjusting to the absence of the drug, and a process of healing or recovery is taking place. Most drugs take a number of hours for the effects to wear off and blood levels to fall significantly, and several days to wash out of the body completely. With regular use, most days or every day or several times a day, There will be some drug in the bloodstream most of the time, and in some cases with frequent heavy use, blood levels never fully get back to zero before the person uses again. In these situations, the person's likely to have some degree of tolerance, where they don't feel as affected by the drug, and as a result may have gradually increased the amount of drug they take each time they use. During detoxification, the body readjusts to having no drug on board, and so one of the things we see is a decrease in tolerance. This can place a person at risk, because if their tolerance is dropped and they decide to use and consume their previous usual amount, it may actually be too much for them, making them heavily intoxicated and at risk of overdose or other immediate harms. And in the detoxification period, we also frequently see withdrawal symptoms. This is where the adaptations the body has made to having the drug on board are now unopposed in the absence of the drug and are experienced as unpleasant withdrawal symptoms. These withdrawal symptoms usually reach their peak around one to three days after stopping drug use, and then, as the body gets used to its new drug-free state, these symptoms settle down by day five to seven in most cases, although that can vary. How quickly withdrawal symptoms emerge and how long they go on for is affected by how long the effects of the drugs last. So heroin, for example, is a fairly short-acting drug, it tends to only affect you for four to six hours. Withdrawal symptoms can start in as little as six to 12 hours of no heroin, 
and are usually most severe in the first 24 to 72 hours, or 1 to 3 days. By around day 5 to 7 of no heroin, the most troublesome withdrawal symptoms are usually settling. Alcohol affects you a bit longer, with blood levels from a single heavy drinking session not uncommonly taking 12 to 24 hours to drop back down to low levels. This is why we see people get caught for drink driving the morning after a heavy drinking session. In someone who's been drinking in a daily pattern for some time and then stops, withdrawals may start 12 to 24 hours after the last drink, peak around 48 hours of no alcohol, and may take 7 or even 10 days to settle. Methadone is a long-acting drug that tends to affect people for at least 24 hours and in some cases a lot longer. As a result, methadone withdrawal gradually develops only after a few days of no methadone, doesn't reach its peak until several days or a week of no methadone, and many people will tell you that the symptoms don't settle for several weeks or even a month or two. Now, different drugs have different effects and produce different withdrawal symptoms during detoxification. I'm not going to go into the specific symptoms for each drug here. I've touched on this in episode 4 and might expand on it in future episodes. But there are a few features that seem to be common to all withdrawals that I will mention here. First of all, most people get at least a little bit irritable, a little bit cranky and maybe somewhat anxious during the detoxification and withdrawal phase. Their ability to put up with being frustrated or annoyed may not be at their best. This is in part because they don't feel so flash, they've got some withdrawal symptoms and they're uncomfortable. They're also without their usual drug of choice, which has quite possibly become one of their central coping skills. They're spending a lot of mental energy on resisting a return to the drug, and they may not be sleeping so well, both of which can leave you with a short fuse. Second is strong cravings. Now a strong urge or strong desire to use is one of the core features of addiction, maybe the most important feature, and it's often overwhelming to the point that it seems to take over and drive ongoing drug use behaviour, even when rational thought would say that continued use is unwise, dangerous, or likely to cause harm. But when a person first stops using, this can actually get even worse, in that the cravings that are not being satisfied can get stronger and more distressing for the first few days, and the person may not be able to focus or think about anything else. This is commonly what derails the attempt to quit, because eventually the person decides that they just have to use to stop the cravings and get rid of withdrawal symptoms. If they do use at this point, they may get a brief sense of relief, but this is often followed by shame, guilt, and disillusionment with their chances or ability to ever stop using, and there's a real risk that they will completely abort their attempt at change. If these strong cravings are resisted, though, and not fed, they will eventually decrease and be less troublesome. They may not go away completely, so a really important part of any attempt to stop is learning some skills to manage cravings when they occur. One of the ways I like to explain this is to point out that cravings are like seagulls. If you feed them, they come back more aggressive and in greater numbers, but if you can avoid feeding them, they eventually settle down and don't cause you so much trouble. Thirdly, the sweats. I don't know why exactly, but most people get some sweatiness as part of withdrawals. This might be mild clamminess, it might be profuse drenching sweats, sometimes it's associated with hot and cold flushes or chills, sometimes it's night sweats. As I say, I don't really know why this is. Some people say it's the drugs coming out of your pores, but I don't really buy that. Most drugs are broken down by the liver 
or excreted by the kidneys, and none of the drugs of addiction are primarily expelled through the skin anyway. The sweats aren't going to kill you or cause dehydration or electrolyte imbalance unless you've also got vomiting and diarrhoea and don't eat or drink for prolonged periods. They will settle down eventually. So use a towel, have a shower and a change of clothes if need be, deal with it and move on. Fourthly, sleep disturbance. All drugs of addiction affect your sleep when you're using them in a frequent or heavy pattern. Not just how much sleep you get, but also the quality of the sleep. Sleep is actually a fairly complex thing. There are different stages of sleep, some with dreams and rapid eye movement, and some without, and you cycle through these different stages at differing speeds through the night. We call this sleep architecture. When you're using drugs, this disrupts sleep architecture and also suppresses dreaming sleep. This disruption, along with keeping irregular hours and spending too much time or too little time asleep in bed at night or napping through the day on the couch, leads to poorer quality of sleep and sleep that's not appropriately refreshing for good health. This doesn't just immediately fix itself during detoxification. Drugs that are depressants, like alcohol, cannabis, opioids and sedative medications, will all cause difficulty getting to sleep as a withdrawal symptom during detoxification. Stimulant drugs, like amphetamines and cocaine, cause lethargy and tiredness as a withdrawal symptom. And all of these drugs suppress rapid eye movement or dreaming sleep when you're using them. And so during detoxification, it's common to have a rebound increase in dreaming, but often with vivid or disturbing nightmares and frequent interruptions to sleep. This means even when you get some sleep, it's often broken, and because you don't feel refreshed when you wake up, you still feel exhausted and lethargic through the day. Sleep disturbance seems to be the slowest thing to improve when someone stops using drugs. It can take several weeks for it to get back to normal and for nightmares to resolve. And there's no easy solutions. The only way to get back to natural, normal sleep is to leave it alone and practice good sleep habits. Regular bedtime and getting up at the same time each morning, not watching television or playing with your computer or phone in bed, avoiding coffee or energy drinks after lunchtime, etc, etc trying to use over-the-counter or prescribed sedatives just continues the disruption to sleep architecture and dreaming and delays the return of the body's natural sleep cycles. By now you'll be starting to get the picture as to why it can be so hard to get through the detox period without relapsing, even if you start with the best of intentions. There's the irritability and anxiousness, the strong cravings, and the sleep disturbance, as well as various other withdrawal symptoms depending on the drug, all of which can really test your resolve and wear you down after several days or a week. But your chances of successfully getting through that week or so and coming out the other side drug-free are vastly improved if you know what to expect and can plan the attempt in advance. Having a safe place away from exposure to drugs and the temptation to use will help, as will enlisting someone you trust to support you when you might be feeling rough or your motivation wobbles. Setting aside a seven-day period when you don't have too many other commitments is also a good idea, so you can rest up, drink plenty of fluids, eat regular meals and avoid undue stress. If you don't have a safe, secure home environment where you've got a bed and can avoid stress and drug-using associates, you could think about attending a specialist inpatient detoxification and withdrawal management service, 
a place where you go and live in for a week to undergo the detox in a controlled, drug-free environment supported by trained professionals. You may have to go on a waiting list first and wait for a bed to open up, but if your chances of breaking the cycle of drug use and completing detox at home are low, or if you've already tried that a few times and been unsuccessful, then an inpatient detox stay is worth considering. And as I've said, even though cravings and sleep disturbance will improve with time, they may be an ongoing challenge. So thinking in advance and maybe doing a bit of research or reading on the internet or talking to a drug and alcohol counsellor may be useful so you have some idea of what you'll do when they come up. Now a couple of important points I need to make. The first is that if you're trying to detoxify or withdraw from alcohol or sedative benzodiazepine drugs such as Valium or Xanax, then it's really important to speak with your doctor first. Unlike withdrawal from cannabis, amphetamines, cocaine or opioids like heroin, morphine, oxycontin and methadone, all of which are pretty safe in withdrawal even if they are uncomfortable, withdrawal from alcohol or benzodiazepines can be medically risky. There's potential for withdrawal symptoms from these, progressing to severe anxiety, agitation, confusion and delirium, as well as problems with the cardiovascular system, seizures and even death. As a result, alcohol and benzodiazepine detoxification may need to be done in a hospital or specialised drug and alcohol detox unit where you're supervised by nurses and doctors and can be monitored closely, and where medications may be used to reduce the risk of seizures or complications. So again, please, speak to your doctor before attempting to detoxify from alcohol or benzodiazepine sedatives. The next important point, if you detox from opioids, your tolerance to opioids decreases. This can happen even with just a few days of not using. If you go out and use the same dose of opioid that you were before the detox, there's a risk that it'll be too much for you and you'll overdose. This means the opioid slows or stops your breathing so that your brain is starved of oxygen and in a couple of minutes you'll have permanent irreversible brain damage and a couple of minutes after that, you'll be dead. So if you've had anything more than a few days of not using opioids, please, should you decide to use, just have a small tester first maybe 25% or a quarter of your usual amount to see how it affects you and not just the whole amount all at once. You can always top up with more later if you feel you haven't had enough, but if you've had too much all in one go, you can't undo that. Okay, so you've done your one week or so of detoxification, maybe at home, maybe in an inpatient withdrawal management unit, your withdrawal symptoms have settled, you haven't used any drugs for over a week now, and you feel okay. Does that mean you're cured? Problem solved? Nuh-uh, not by a long way. Your body might have readjusted to not having the drug on board, but now you've got to get your head around the idea of not using and avoid slipping back to old habits. You have to do the relapse prevention work and change how you think, feel and behave towards drugs. This may mean seeing a drug and alcohol counsellor or a support group. It may mean seeing a psychologist or a psychiatrist to address any mental health issues. You may want to stay in a residential rehabilitation service or therapeutic community to develop social living skills in a supportive, drug-free environment. Looking at your social circle and who you hang out with will be important, as well as changing your daily routine. But you will need to think about finding meaning and purpose to fill your life and bring your nourishment, whether that be finding employment, going back to school, reinvesting yourself in family and relationships, who knows. But 
we're out of time in today's episode. In the next episode, I'm going to continue our discussion about various aspects of drug and alcohol treatment. So please, join me next time for Addiction in Simple Terms.